Welcome to the Good Start Podcast. I'm Barney Nelson with another amazing story of how blockchain is being used to change people's lives. Trust in the charity sector is in crisis. We've all seen too many examples in the last few years of major charities misspending our donations. Most obviously in Haiti, where one charity took five years and half a billion dollars to build just six houses. Today, there's apparently over a billion dollars out there in additional donations that people would give if only they felt that they could trust the charities that were there to spend that money. This, plus the advent of a more tech-savvy, younger generation, is driving a real shift in charitable giving, shifting from throwing money into a wishing well, if you like, to wanting to see their money deliver tangible, measurable outcomes. And this is a shift that's now starting to touch individual givers, just like you and I. Alice is at the heart of that shift. Using blockchain and smart contracts, they're starting to form a new technology backbone that helps to make outcome-based giving simple and accessible for all of us. Using their platform, for example, you could give $100 to make sure that someone had a place to sleep for the night, and your money wouldn't be touched until there was concrete, verified evidence that that had actually happened. By helping all kinds of charities to start fundraising based on real, tangible outcomes, Alice isn't only trying to shift the mindset of an entire industry, but it's also helping to put the beneficiaries of our spending right at the heart of the ecosystem. Equally, it's also helping to automate, rip out back office costs for charities, and to add new levels of trust to an industry that really, really needs it. The end objective? Really to make sure that every dollar we give is spent transparently, delivering meaningful change for those who really need it, and restoring faith in an industry that desperately needs our support. It's a real pleasure to have Danny from Alice here today to talk us through exactly how that works in practice. So Danny, thank you very much for joining us today. Um, really excited to have you here and to be able to talk about the whole theme of, of transparent giving. Definitely. So thank you very much for having me. To give you a bit of context as to the problem, uh, trust in the charity sector is absolutely plummeting worldwide. So since the Haiti crisis in 2010, where Red Cross was famously found to have only built six houses, I think, in the five years after the crisis, um, having had half a billion uh, dollars in donations, um, you can see why people are disenfranchised and why they change the way that they actually kind of feel towards charities over the course of their lives. So we very much believe that actually we can rebuild trust, especially amongst young people who are slightly more skeptical and cynical by showing them exactly what their money achieves. This is happening against a context of historic lows in terms of giving. You know, I think one of the stats that always stands out to me is that levels of giving now are growing lower than they've ever grown, well below global GDP growth rates. I think it's 1% growth a year in 2016. And equally, there's, I think, a billion dollars out there of money that people would give if they felt that they could actually trust the institutions they were giving to. Is that, is that right? Exactly. They're not having the reliable income that they once did uh, because there's no proof. It's, it's almost like a wishing well. You just give your money yeah. to a certain charity and you, you never really think as to what that charity's used your money for. At Alice, our mission is to let any social funder see exactly what their money achieves. It is a kind of cultural shift as well. And it is a shift in how people see giving mm. so that actually, even if it is a, a donation, you do get something in return. You see the beneficiaries progress. You see exactly uh, how efficiently your money's been spent. And rather than focusing on things like executive salaries and, and really classic kind of things that disenfranchise uh, givers at the moment, because there's not much else to kind of go by, actually, you start judging a charity based on how much impact it has, which is vitally important. 
to give you an idea as to how that works, you give your money. If the project succeeds, as it says in the project description, then you see exactly the impact that your money's had through the milestone achievements. Now, we like to have these as outcomes rather than outputs so that you can see exactly the number of beneficiaries or the type of beneficiary that you've helped. If you don't uh, see the project achieved, well, actually, you get your money back because we use the same model that grant funders do with charities, which is payment by results. So actually, the money is held in escrow until the charity achieves exactly what it says it will. And upon validation, the money is kind of drawn down from escrow um, and given to the charity. Every project on Alice has a third-party validator. So to give you an example, our pilot project was with St. Mungo's, which is a homelessness charity in the UK. And the validator is a kind of trusted institution. So in that project, it was the mayor of London's office. And it can be a, a team or it can be a person or it can be a company that essentially says, yes, I've seen proof to say that this has uh, taken place. So for instance, it may be uh, a rental agreement. But what this does, it, it adds a layer of trust onto charitable giving so that every time you see impact, you know that it's been authenticated by an independent third party. So presumably in, in the, the value of Alice is in not being a, a charity in your own right, you are, you're effectively a networking backbone or infrastructure for any charity to be able to use to facilitate that kind of cultural and business shift, right? Exactly. And I think that actually the, the, the role which we take is, is exactly, as you say, um, also one of facilitating communication between the different actors. We actually just ran a, a workshop um, together with Google at which 20 social funders and 20 charities like of Amnesty International and, and really quite um, in, uh, kind of established charities. And actually, one of the biggest findings was that there just isn't enough communication between funders, between funders and charities, and between charities as well. So um, the impact measurement space is is littered with kind of duplication of frameworks with each funder trying to create their own one for their own convenience. What this means is that an average charity, um, a, a medium-sized charity can have something like 20 different formats through which to send an impact report in a year, which mm. as you can imagine, just starts taking up more and more of the time away from the frontline work and really impacts the kind of effectiveness of the charity sector. So what mm. we're trying to do is really facilitate that communication. Um, so what we're doing is essentially automating the impact reporting for them. We're mm making sure for the funder that they not only have the information for the screening and due diligence, but also that the impact reporting is done on time, because that's another issue when it comes to impact reporting, that charities sometimes, if they're under uh, capacity, they just won't have the ability to send it as quickly as the funder needs. Mm. So by automating that process, we're kind of allowing them to focus on the frontline work um, making sure that all that frontline work is taking place and eradicating a different issue there with the kind of proof of impact, um, while also changing the way that donors give. So can we maybe walk through the, the St. Mungo's case, uh, just in terms of actually the, the, the nuts and bolts of it? St. Mungo's came to us and wanted to run a charity to get 15 homeless people off the street. It was our first pilot project. So more than the project itself, we were validating that the system works. Um, they came to us with uh, guaranteed grant funding. So they wanted uh, grant funding as well as fundraising from donors. And what our system allowed them to do is to set up a project through us, which used outcomes in a similar sense that they would structure them for a grant funder. In that project, the outcomes and the milestones, shall we say, were... Uh, getting somebody into temporary accommodation, all of the kind of sub outcomes in between. So trying to uh, help them with rental agreements, legal fees, things like this. But they were structured in a sense where it's quite a linear progression from somebody going into temporary accommodation, finding permanent accommodation. And then actually one of the most important parts is checking 12 and 18 months down the line that they're still there. Because actually charities, when they apply for grant funding, often don't have the resources and don't want to put down that they ought to check after the project's complete, the impact is uh, 
is, is sustained, mm. which means that actually, yes, you might get homeless people off the streets, but with that funding, you don't know if they've stayed in the permanent accommodation 18 months down the line. In terms of the actual mechanics of how this works, so for example, if I set up a project tomorrow and I'm the beneficiary, I say, okay, look, my outcome is X if, if I get Y funding. Is the, is the interaction all centralized through a website or is it more deployed onto apps or how does it work from a, from a kind sure. of workflow perspective? So at the moment, any charity that starts a project has, has an appeal page on our website with a page basically giving the information as to the project details. We are currently building an API um, which allows charities to actually integrate our system onto their own websites. But all of the back end, so all of the smart contracts and all of the kind of facilitation of how the money moves, how the impact's done, is done uh, on the blockchain. So although validators have to log into our system to validate a certain uh, outcome, mm. all of the data is kept on the blockchain and all of the flow of funds is done through smart contracts on the blockchain as well. This kind of leads us into exactly why we use blockchain and, and a public blockchain, so the Ethereum network. Uh, and for us, it is the, the fact that that information is one of the most valuable assets from uh, from the project work being done. So the impact uh, data is available for policymakers to see exactly what works and how effectively and at what price. It's available to charities to actually see what's worked in the past and what hasn't so that the charity sector doesn't have this taboo of failure, which uh, leads to it making the same mistakes over and over again. And for funders, it's actually... um, it, it, it removes the issue of these siloed impact data um, troves that they have themselves, uh, which they use for screening and due diligence, but actually might be outdated, might actually be wrong. And um, it allows them to, to, to make these decisions, funding decisions, from the same timely, valuable information. Presumably, there are other parts of, of blockchain that also play to the objectives of Alice here. Transparency is a key one. So anybody being able to go and audit the data, see what works, what doesn't. Um, but also trust is a, is a massive factor. And, and that's mainly kind of practically shown through our use of smart contracts. So uh, what we use smart contracts for is to automate the process of impact reporting resulting with donations being drawn down from escrow. So Mm -hmm. as soon as somebody has said, yes, I've seen proof of impact, uh, automatically the corresponding uh, amount of funds are drawn down from escrow and sent to the charity. So there's no kind of um, paper trail uh, or kind of paper process drawn out between them where they have to send the proof and all of this kind of stuff. Even on that note as well, the the security and the private um, aspect of information is also catered for. So we've actually developed a solution for selective disclosure, which allows only certain amounts of uh, personal information to be shown to the validator at any given point. So for instance, if I'm looking at uh, somebody's rental agreement, I don't need to see their medical data as well. And so what we're able to do is actually define exactly what a validator needs to see to say, yes, that's actually happened. Uh, the, the blockchain sector is is really uh, making strides with governance as well. And one of the crucial elements of governance is that traditionally in, in the model of charitable giving, the beneficiaries don't have much of a voice. So right. what we're allowing and w- what we're hoping to build on top of all of this kind of ecosystem is uh, a, a number of different means for, for instance, um, beneficiaries to be able to whistleblow on a project that's not actually achieving what it says it is. So even if there are instances of collusion between a validator and a charity, we're we're hoping to kind of negate any potential impact of that by allowing the beneficiaries a voice in a model that they've traditionally never really had a voice in. Mm. But presumably, actually, I mean, putting the beneficiaries at the centre of this runs actually 
deeper than just being able to whistleblow. I mean, historically, in a, in a Red Cross and Haiti context, you've got the donor organization or the NGO deciding ultimately on how best the money is spent. Whereas using an Alice kind of facilitated project, you're really talking about the beneficiaries deciding how the money is going to be best spent to get the right outcome. Exactly, exactly. We're even through things such as design, we're trying to show that the, the journey that matters is that of the beneficiary. Are you seeing any evidence of, of, of people actually because of what you're achieving in terms of transparency, being willing to donate more through the Alice platform? Anecdotally, we can definitely say that, for instance, when it comes to a repeat donation, it's a lot easier for some to convert someone who's a one-time donor into a two or more-time donor based mm. on the fact that you have information to re-engage them with. Mm. And if we can prove to them, look, like this is exactly what your money's done, and only a little bit more could do the same for another person, or actually it could further this person's progression, that will be a kind of motivating factor for people to donate more. So essentially by becoming a kind of data engine, on the one hand, you rip out the cost of providing the reporting back into the kind of more institutionalized side of donors. And then on the other hand, you can use the same data to be able to actually run far more targeted, uh, essentially advertising or fundraising to on the B2C side as well. Exactly. We're hoping that actually people's motivations with this increased transparency become a lot more uh, honest and a lot more human. And, and they actually kind of uh, engage with the beneficiary almost. And so what about... I I mean, issues that you've you've come across on the way. I mean, what are the things that have surprised you on the on the journey so far? It's very difficult to kind of nail down the design in an easy sense because although a traditional startup might have one particular audience which they're targeting with all of their um, clout, we're in a situation by which we have to target impact investors, grant funders, governments, uh, individual donors, charities, and so as you can imagine, it starts to become quite complicated as to how to uh, structure our website, how to structure an appeal, even mm. how to structure the sign-up flows for these different audiences so that they get the information that they need as soon as possible. We're trying to test everything and iterate everything. So when it comes to um, actually validating our, our kind of assumptions as to why a certain audience responds well or not, um, we're really trying to test them so that everything, go, even in the design sense, everything goes from kind of gut feeling to, well, look, we've got the stats to say that's the way it is. I'm Barney Nilsson. I hope you're enjoying this Good Start podcast. So far, we've heard about the big picture and the reasons why blockchain was a necessary part of the solution. We're going to go on now to hear about the practicalities of using blockchain and using the solution in the real world. Before we do, though, one of the reasons why I'm doing this podcast is to make sure that you have a chance to get involved. So please do reach out. If you'd like to get in touch or involved in any way, look us up on thevalueexchange.co slash goodstart or friend us on Facebook or LinkedIn. Thanks, and back to the podcast. So St. Mungo's Down, um, Cancer Research UK, um, also coming soon, and presumably the API opens up many new avenues in terms of potential cooperation. What does the next 12 months look like then? So we, at the moment, have uh, two live projects as well. One is run by AOKC, which is specifically to do with helping uh, people who have lost limbs in Nepal, in remote villages of Nepal, um, have the prosthetics uh, provided to them. And a second project is run by Forgotten Animals, which is a charity that is opening, the, I, I think, the country's first wild animal sanctuary in Russia. So um, two, two great projects that we're working with at the moment. Um, very different audiences. So it's been quite interesting to actually kind of work with them on, on making sure their appeals are targeted at the right audiences. 
the next few months at least are going to be uh, onboarding other charities. We're currently speaking to a few social funders, so hopefully we'll have pilot projects opening up with them as well. And actually, when it comes to the, exactly as you mentioned, the API, we're able then to start looking at much more established charities that might already have quite a simple flow through their own website, but might want to experiment with a certain audience segment, for instance. So um, if certain charities come to us and say, look, we're very happy with how our donors are, are behaving from the age of 35 upwards, but we found that actually we, we really don't perform well, when it comes to younger people, we can test whether something like the transparency that we offer might be a motivating factor to them. So mm. um, it, it really provides a, a, an opportunity for charities to test um, uh, with different audiences and to kind of fit us into their digital strategy. I mean, that example is a very pertinent one, presumably, is the, the who this appeals to most, the younger generations, I would have thought. But I think the benefits that you mentioned in terms of not just the transparency around the donations and putting the beneficiaries in control, but I think, you know, the, the ripping out the reporting costs to the industry, being able to provide a strong degree of best practice around outcomes, um, whistleblowing, and then the whole question of IoT for automated kind of validation. I mean, you're talking about really transformational change. You started with the Red Cross example, building five houses, you know, for half a billion dollars to uh, an industry run with all of the benefits we just mentioned. I mean, that would go a long way, I would have thought, to restoring the single biggest thing that's missing, which is trust in the industry. Obviously, there are kind of difficulties and obstacles as well within the industry itself, because some charities that perform very well uh, might not necessarily want to structure their projects through an outcome-based kind of system for donors. And um, obviously, there are very kind of understandable concerns about cannibalizing on donors that actually have formed a certain behavior. But what we're trying to show is that it might not be necessarily for those donors, but it might be that actually, um, initially at least, we're able to convert people who otherwise wouldn't donate. So it's a, it's a kind of bigger pie rather than a different a portion of the pie. And when it comes to, especially as you kind of mentioned, that the younger people who might be more cynical, more more used to kind of convenience and information on demand, well, actually, the proof of impact might be the, the thing that gets them to, to say, well, okay, this clearly works. This project really means business. Mm. And why would they kind of be open to transparency if, if they're not um, being honest? So, mm. yeah. so just actually, can you expand on that briefly, the point about cannibalization? Because that's a really interesting one. So who, who wouldn't be interested in having this kind of outcomes-based uh, transparency? One of the obstacles that we've come across is that um, a lot of charities might be interested in uh, having a new project uh, run through Alice. But when it comes to existing ones that performing well, obviously, um, because we're still young and we're still experimental and we're still kind of very much um, testing everything, um, they're slightly concerned about whether they want to, uh, for instance, feed their warm donors through us. Because, right. for instance, if anything were to go wrong or if if it were to kind of change the expectation for the charity, they'd have to change a lot more than they would in the first instance if they just funnel their coal donors who aren't likely to donate anyway. So mm. it's mm. a challenge that we've had where it's difficult for us to prove conversion rates and things like this uh, against committed donors that they already have because mm. of the fact that often a charity might say, well, if this audience is, is one that uh, we've got no use for anyway, let's try them with that list. Um, it's not a very comparable segment with the ones that really do donate regularly. If I understand right, Alice essentially just represents a certain amount of counterparty risk as a as a startup still. And it's not really associated with the actual concept of outcome-based giving. It's more associated probably with your the just how young Alice is. 
Is that fair? Uh, yes. So that's that's probably half of the equation. The other half is that there are obviously um, inefficiencies in the charity sector at the moment that are benefiting from the lack of transparency. And that's not to say that all charities are, are kind of corrupt or anything like that. But mm. there are probably pockets of, of money being misspent. And therefore, right. uh, those vested interests make it very difficult for a charity to say, a massive charity to say, yes, we'll, we'll put everything through this. But the more we change the donor's expectations of what giving is. And the more the donors start saying, well, actually, look, if you're not showing me proof that my money's done anything, I'm not going to give you the money. Well, then slowly that will kind of hopefully um, force all charities to say, look, transparency is clearly the only answer. Um, Donors won't give to us unless we show them impact. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be fascinating just to watch ultimately if if it was possible to track that billion dollars that's out there that people are holding back on at the moment to watch how that how that kind of hopefully dissipates downwards as people see the transparency and and, and buy back into the charity sector. I think even a billion is a very conservative estimation because for instance, we've been talking with certain funds that have hundreds of millions uh, that they might want to, for instance, track the impact of. And if it's if it's a matter of funds saying, wait, if there's an easier solution than what we already do, which is pay for um, a, hell of, a hell of a lot of accounting and legal uh, support just to be able to do the same work, well, then why don't we kind of put the same money through something like Alice? So we are we are working with a massive market in terms of the potential. Um, but it is, I think the crucial element for us is about exactly what you said, the kind of changing behaviours and cultures. That's mm. going to be the, the, the key aspect. We're really quite hopeful is that um, we can get it to a point at which where donors are happy, charities aren't making uh, any wasteful decisions based on the fact that um, there's a tabby of failure. Um, funders are happy and actually kind of making decent returns on their money as well as um, attracting more impact investors to the space. Fantastic. Well, look, well, thank you so much, Danny. Really appreciate you making the time to do this. And uh, yeah, thank you for running through that as clearly as you have. Yeah, perfect. Thank you very, very much. I'm Barney Nelson, and thanks for listening to this week's Good Start episode. Next week, there'll be another amazing story about how blockchain is being used for good. And so make sure to join us then. In the meantime, if you'd like to get involved, look us up on thevalueexchange.co slash goodstart or on LinkedIn or Facebook. Thanks, and see you next week. 